サードコーストベースラジオラディオスサヘルサリソベース第三海岸第一收音機トリチラジオバスギターレバシシルバスラディオカテオイエーウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウーアウ Uh, happy New Year's, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. Hope you guys are feeling great. 2020, w e almost out this bitch. We came here with a special episode. We got your boys Wishy Washy and Nyris. They both came here to lay down something proper. And without further ado, let's get to it. Thank you.
Yo, so that motherfucking mix was phenomenal, man. Had me all over the place. Uh, we got my boy Kenny, otherwise known as Wishy Washy, on the motherfucking set. Say what's up to the crowd, Wishy Washy. What's up, yo? Yo, man, thank you so much for your time. I want to say thank you for that mix. It was beautiful. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it, man. Um, tell me about yourself. Who's Kenny? Uh, where are you from? What's your background? Yeah, man, so uh, I uh, grew up in Washington State, West Coast, USA. Um, and then when I turned 14, I moved to Pennsylvania. I know all the way across the fucking country. And... Um, just average dude, man, like, I have interests and stuff, like, I started out doing, like, skateboarding around 10, uh, got into parkour around, like, 14, Nice. just been all over the place with random shit and just kill your interest. <laughs> Fucking badass. Parkour, man. How did, how did that come about? So, I saw, you know, I used to watch a lot of Jackie Chan and was, like, obsessed with him as a kid, and then... This one game came out in 2008 called Mirror's Edge, and it was just a game about, like, this girl trying to find her sister or something, and it was just all based on parkour movement, and I was like, oh, so that's what it's called. It's called parkour and free running. I want to do that. Like, I always used to, like, flip around on trampolines and stuff, so... Yeah, that's kind of how that came about. That's pretty badass. I think I actually remember that game, too, and I fucking sucked. I could not play that game for shit. <laughs> but yeah, man. <laughs> so tell me, um, what's, your, uh, what's your musical background? Do you have any previous music experience? Um, did you play any instruments? What's your musical background? Yeah, so I've been involved in music basically all my life. Um, actually, my dad, my biological father... Um, has a recording studio and has had a recording studio for a while. He used to be like a producer and has like known a, a few rappers and met a few like hip hop artists and stuff. So he's always been like pushing music on me um, every time I would go see him. But um, other than that, like fourth grade, I got into orchestra and uh, band and I played the viola in orchestra and then I started off on clarinet and band and then from there like I stayed in orchestra until about um ninth grade and I just stayed playing the viola but uh, when I was in band I felt like moving up to uh, tenor saxophone and so I played that for um a while and I tried out baritone saxophone a little bit and I was in like a sax ensemble thing and um then Around the end of junior high, I hopped in a jazz band with tenor saxophone, too. So, yeah, I played those instruments up until junior high. And then high school, I, I played uh, tenor sax and band again and wind ensemble. And then I uh, started to pick up guitar, and my high school offered uh, jazz um, ensemble, which did, like, competitions and stuff. And I was like, I kind of want to check that out, but for jazz guitar so I picked up guitar and started learning like I had to grind hard because he's like you're gonna have to do all this stuff like you have to learn scales and learn how to improv and I was like I've only when I hopped in uh, sophomore year high school I had only like a year 
under my belt of like learning songs on guitar. So I was like, damn, this is like shit. Like I'm about to get my shit together, <laughs> learning chords and stuff. Like I was just looking up tablature and like doing covers of like Metallica and like a bunch of other bands and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, those are the instruments that I started out with. Uh, I really started to love guitar there in high school, but yeah. That's fucking intense, man. That's like super instrumentation right there. So let me ask you, like, do you feel that having all of that, um, I, I know that gives you a really good, decent background kind of in theory, especially just being a multi-instrumentalist. Multi um, like, do you feel that that's kind of giving you a slight advantage as a producer, um, especially when it comes into working into the doll? Or do you believe that, like, kind of like working in the doll is like a different mindset as far as like theory-wise looking at it on a computer screen? What do you feel about that? Yeah, so actually, like, like I said, I was pretty much slacking off with, like, the theory and stuff when I was in school. Yeah. Until I started uh, playing in jazz band, and then I really started to get a little bit better with that stuff. But it basically was, like, in one year, out the other. I'm going to just, like, grind on these songs and then get that down. And I still, towards the end of high school, I still wasn't taking the theory and stuff too seriously. <laughs> I mean, I did... Um, I went to districts for jazz guitar. Like I uh, won a spot in the second band, which was super hype. Um, but that was my senior year. So I was like really just starting to get into it. But yeah, now as for like that bleeding into producing, um, I would say like my musicality is pretty good and um, like phrasing and stuff like that. And the intros and chords is like pretty decent, but I feel like it would have been a lot more useful if I learned how to play the keys. Right. I totally understand that. And I'm actually fucking around now. I'm, I, I feel like learning theory and learning instrumentation on the keys is like very, very important to being a, a producer in the DAW. I don't know why, oh, yeah. but I, I just think it's a it's a, something that motherfuckers need to learn for sure. Um, oh, I feel that. So let's so let's dive into uh, Wishy Washy, the moniker. Where did that come from? Did you have previous monikers before that, or was that your first one? Um, what's the What's the story on that? Yeah, so it's funny actually. So like after I graduated high school, like I I've been listening to EDM for a little bit. Um, after I mean before I graduated high school, I wasn't like fully into it. So this was like. 
um, ride is what I was going for. And it just kind of stuck since then. And then when I picked up the controller and the doll, like, that's, I just applied it to that. I like that. Nice. Yeah, it's interesting to hear where everyone monikers come from and wishy-washy. That's definitely a, a pretty unique one. I haven't heard that one before. I, I love hearing, you know, the stories behind the unique ones for sure. Because uh, there's a lot of uh, monikers that kind of get recycled, I feel like. But uh, I, I, I definitely love the unique ones. Um, so let's go ahead and just jump into your music and your mix. Um, shit was definitely a journey. I went up, I went down, I went all around. It was fucking sex, man. And um, let's just talk about that. Um, so how did you pull that track selection out of all of your um, original music? Um, let's talk about that. Yeah, so like, of course I wanted to hop in with one of the first tracks from my very first EP that I put out. Um, and so wanted to hop in with that and then I threw a couple more of those tracks from that same EP in there because they mean a lot to me. Like it was a while ago. It was like when I was really starting to get into the flow of how to make stuff in FL Studio that's what I used. So yeah, I wanted to throw those like first tracks in there as like a sentimental thing for the first EP that I put out and then all the other stuff is like IDs, IDs, collabs, IDs, that kind of stuff. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man, it was definitely a sound journey for sure. So let me ask, what, um, is there a particular artist or a particular moment in time? Like, what, what inspires Wishy Washies, like your soundscape, your, your sound in particular? What inspires that? Okay, um, yeah, so I'm going to go back a little bit, um, so, like, originally, I had no idea that I'd be getting into production um, when I was in the festival culture. Like like I said, I hopped in 2015, and then around 2016, I met my one friend who introduced me to, like, um, the FOMH mixes. It was, like, all, like, down-tempo, wave and, uh, like, that kind of stuff, like, really stuck with me compared to, like, the dubstep and, like, stuff that I was hearing at festivals. And then my um, other friend that introduced me, the EDM scene, had this one artist that they said I should listen to uh, called Gladkill. And um, at first, I wasn't, like, super into his music, and then he dropped this um, LP titled After Death. I think that was like end of 2016 or something. Oh wait, you and said Gladkill? You said Gladkill, right? Gladkill. Oh yeah. yeah, dude. After Death was a fucking solid. Yes. That was a bad <laughs> beat, man. Like that whole it was a story, man. It blew my mind. And then after that came out, like I think I saw him in Baltimore, twenty seventeen or something. And uh, after that show, I was just like. Months 
later I picked up the dog. Nice. That's badass. Yeah. I forgot which track it was that Gladkill had. Um, it was on one of his earlier EPs. Um, it might have been, um, it was a Ghost of a Cyborg remix or something like that. But um, it fucking blew my mind and I was like tripping on acid. And it just like every, every single tone was just beautiful which is just miraculous and I, I didn't understand what the hell was going on that's funny i actually got to meet him in uh in austin during south by southwest oh, no really fucking cool guy and this is a i don't know if you ever heard of sugar pill too but i was listening I to glad that. kill yeah. and sugar pill and joker all around the same time and they fucking they blew my minds man so <laughs> this, awesome. yeah i really love the electronic yeah. scene yeah there's a few other artists that i definitely have some inspiration from like wave spectrum that's like dead crow sorcery some of the bigger names yeah um but yeah so that's how i got started was too glad because i was like yeah i'm gonna i want to do that i want to make some like weird shit but also like melodic cool shit (laughs) yeah fuck yeah so uh, like being being a musical artist do you feel like like being on this journey being on the music journey is there something that maybe this lifestyle has taught you that you probably wouldn't gain otherwise mm, that's a that's a really good question actually i would say yeah like it has brought me to a whole bunch of users um that I thought I never would have met like a few years ago, like, and people that I would call friends now. And like, just the community, like, especially the wave community has like brought me closer to a lot of producers that I like started listening to before I started making music. And like, it's just like the connections that you can make through music are just like fantastic. So definitely making connections through music has been like the best thing in my life. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very huge difference between like quote unquote the industry versus the artist. You know what I mean? Um and I've kind of been in like both realms because I throw shows and shit, but I also I I'm in events as well. But the artist is always very um very humble, very familiar, very family and they're always down to just kick it versus the industry, which is always just trying to fucking crush you. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a different, different scene for sure. So yeah, networking and like that sense of community, I don't think you really get that in a lot of other places, uh, especially with the wave and the future garage community too. A lot of, a, a lot of other communities, they're a little like, you know, oh, I'm not going to give you the keys to the kingdom and shit. But one thing I've noticed yeah, about the wave awesome. and future garage communities, they're like, yo, bring it in, like, bring it in. We're going to support each other type shit for sure. Yep. So let's go ahead and jump into um, like your mind, like the mind of you as a producer. Um, I know you said that you were producing an FL studio. Um, is that the only doll you produce in? Do you produce any other dolls? Is that your go to? No, that's my go to. My uh, good friend got me like some pirated version of it and started <laughs> showing me stuff on it. And <laughs> I, I I was just doing that for a while, and then I bought it so I could be more official. And so yeah, but I I wanted to get into Ableton just because of like some of the 
some of the sample, the stuff you can do with sampling in there is a little bit easier. Like I've messed around with it a little bit, but yeah, FL Studio is my go-to right now. But I wouldn't mind, you know, expanding. Right. Yeah, the DAWs I use. So do you believe, like, the DAW is just a tool? Like, me personally, I love FL Studio for one thing, Harmer. That fucking synth is ridiculous, bro. That shit is nasty. But I used to to use FL Studio back when it was, like, Fruity Loops and shit, and it's, like, kind of like my intro. And then I've been through all of the DAWs, and personally, I believe they are all good at a couple of things. Like, Logic, I don't think Logic... Nothing can process vocals like Logic and Pro Tools. It's just really good for mastering, just shit like that. Like it, yeah. as far as like what they have in the DAW ready to go. Now you can get a bunch of VSTs yeah. and shit, but like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I feel like each DAW has its own like specialty. Like I feel like you can do basically everything in each DAW if you really sit down and take the time to learn how to use it, no matter what you're using. Yeah, but like I know. When I started out with FL Studio, like, it seemed like a really cool beat maker to me, but I was like, I don't know if I could make, like, crazy dubstep bass sounds, or, like, I was like, this seems like a, a nice thing to use for making, like, trap beats for, like, rappers or something, or hip-hop beats for rappers or hip-hop artists, and then, like, Ableton seems like the where all, like, the bass artists go to because of, like, the layout or something. I feel like they all definitely have their own perks and like specialties but you can get the job done through each one it just depends on you know the, the artist's drive i really the dog i feel that i definitely feel that so do you have a uh like a go-to vst or like a piece of hardware that like you use your major sound design for like what's your go-to when you open up your daughter you're like okay this is going to be in every track no matter what um actually FL Studio just released like a, a free one called Flex. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but it's pretty basic. But like, you can do a lot of stuff, and it has really cool defaults with it. So I'll use that a lot of times for my like plucks and leads, and sometimes like you can get some really nice angelic chords, like some choir sounding chords with it, like vocally sounding chords. Um, and aside from that, like, stock plug-in, I would go to Serum, just because I like the layout of Serum. There's a bunch of tutorials online for how to, you know, use it, and there's just so much you can do with it. Nice. Yeah, I haven't heard of Flex. I'm going to have to check that out. Shit, I haven't had yeah, FL Studio on my shit in a while. And is that a synth? Is it a synth? Yeah, it's a, it's a synthesizer. It can, you have to have, you know, you have to have the unlocked version because right. it comes with the update, unless if you get, like, a... a a pirated version of the newest <laughs> Good luck with that shit, cool. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like it a lot. It's really cool. I was super happy that they um, released it for like the full version for free and you can get a bunch of, um, you know, paid for uh, presets on there. But the presets that RFP has are like pretty nice. They got some acoustic bases on there that sound pretty clean, like actual acoustic bass. Um, but yeah, it's pretty versatile. I, I definitely suggest that you, you, get, you check it out. Yeah, I'm gonna look at that for sure. Um, so let's. Let, I, I, this is a new question I've been kind of asking on the interview, um, simply because people love to argue about this shit all the time. 
Um, but like the DJ versus the producer, do you feel like one should be necessarily skilled in the other before he decides to let his art out there? Or like, what do you think? Like the DJ that has doesn't have one single original track or the producer that tries to DJ and just train wrecks the entire night. Like, what do you feel uh, about, <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, I feel like it really depends on what the person is trying to do. Like, if you want to be a DJ and use any of your own tracks, like it's going to be a lot harder for you to get you know, bookings for, like, bigger shows because it's just like, okay, cool, you're a DJ, but where's the exclusivity? Unless if you're getting, like, maybe unreleased tracks from your friends or something, like, yeah, yeah you can do a bunch of cool tricks and stuff, but, like, those DJs, I feel like, just do, like, parties, weddings, or, you know, I'm not talking down on DJ skills at all, but if that's all you're doing, it's kind of, you know, an oversaturated market, so... If you put any of your own tracks in there, it doesn't really give you any exclusivity except for like your skills and the tricks you can do on the deck. But like, if you're a producer and can't mix at all, and you're trying to play shows and you just like have sloppy transitions, it's gonna be hard for the crowd to keep up with that. Like they're just gonna be like, "Where's the flow at?" You know, and like it's cool that it's you know, music, but if you want to keep people dancing, you got to have that flow and mixability. And it's really cool if you can add in some of those nice tricks and transitions as like a more professional DJ. So I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on, you know, pure purity, like whoever's a DJ, you know, that's cool. You do that. But the exclusivity factor is kind of hard to win over when you don't have your own tracks, but you're a good producer and can't really mix like, I mean, they have stuff like Ableton, so you can, like, kind of preset what you're doing, and then you don't really have to worry about mixing too much. I, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent about that. Because <laughs> I started out as a DJ, and I had none of my own shit uh, when I first started mixing, but then I was like, you know what? I do want to have my own stuff in there because I feel like it'll, you know, it'll make me stand out more. Right. You know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I tried to go, like, both ends of the spectrum at the same time and fucking was terrible at both for a little bit. <laughs> and like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta focus, you know, definitely. But um, one thing I realized, like just kind of, especially um, as one wants to become uh, their own image you know, or brand, I hate the word brand or whatever the fuck you want to call it, but you yeah. really do have to be a jack of all trades. You got to be your own producer, DJ, graphic designer, marketer, yeah. fucking telemarketer, all types of shit. And it's just like, oh it's, it's a whole thing. So, um, but it's just, I don't know. I really love getting the opinions on other artists about this because it's been, a, it's a lot of, a lot of shit talk, especially between the separate groups. Like, oh, you know, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. But it's like, yeah. maybe we should all just learn how to do fucking everything or support each other. Yeah. If he's not doing that and you know how to deal with help them out type shit you know that's just how I feel about it at least um, I will say some people do uh, like fantastic jobs of just being a DJ like I don't know if you've heard of the Future Beach show like yes show, like, complexion <laughs> yep yep I fell in love with that show a while back and he kills it like he is such a good DJ and he shows me music that I never found on my own so like you know, 
there can be times where like DJs can really just you know kill it without even really having the, their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, now Future Beats, that shit's been going on for a while, too. I'm trying to think. When's the last episode? I probably haven't. I'm probably like 50 episodes behind at this point, the way he was fucking putting out shit. <laughs> Man, that's fucking wild. So let's get into what you got going on in the future. Um, I know 2020 has pretty much shut down everything. Um, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, man, like... 2020 has been like a roller coaster. It's been, it's had some amazing moments and some really crap moments. Like, I literally got Euphoric started, Euphoric's events. Um, and at the end of 2019, we did a show without the monetary Euphoric, without the main Euphoric yet. I was just like, I got a couple of friends together. I was like, hey, we should book a few artists and then ourselves and then just throw a show. Um, that was November 2019 at Mantra Sound, which uh, one of my good friends from New York. I met her actually at Unt Festival in California. I had no idea she lived in New York. Nice. And was actually a Philly local um, start off with. But I had some friends that knew her, and I was like, yo, I want to get her on the lineup and stuff. So we threw that show with her and... Um, Metatron and Fresh Baked. I'm going to do these shout outs again if you ask for them. Um, but yeah, we had that show and I was like, all right, I kind of want to make this an actual thing. So come 2020, um, we started getting ready to throw an actual show under the name Euphoric. And uh, like uh, I mentioned, Future, Future Beats. And uh, a friend showed me this artist named Max Fry. Um, a while ago when I started listening to Wave and like Future Beats and I was like I would love to bring out Max Fry and so I hit him up and he responded like immediately but yeah I wouldn't mind doing a show he, he's one of those like just produces kind of guy but he's messed around with the, like the uh, turntables a little bit so I hit him up I was like if we fly you out would you be down to play a set and he's like yeah and he's like I'll stay with my boy 92L in Philly and I was like 92 Elms in Philly too. Like, I didn't know any of these people were <laughs> that close to me. I was like, damn. I was like, you think he'd, be, he'd, he'd play a show for us? And he's like, probably. So I hit up 92 Elm. I was like, you want to play it? He's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, damn. All right. And so we do that show. That was one of my favorite shows because Max Fry has been a big inspire um, for future beats for me. I definitely want to get into that kind of, that style of production, but I haven't quite just yet. But yeah, so we threw that show, and I was like, all right, sweet. This has been the best show. And, like, I'm booked with a uh, label in New York, and we were just going on tour after that show, like, the day after that show, and we were going to go, like, New Jersey, New York, Philly, all these other places in the tri-state area, and then everything got shut down. And so I was like, all right, we'll try to have you for it, do some live streams. And so... In the future, for 2021, I want to try to get back into doing some more live streams. As, uh, we kind of died down a little bit there after the last one. Um, I don't know if you got to tune in, but we had, like, Dead Critical and a bunch of other artists on there. And we were doing live video, live video, and live visuals. Like, it was crazy. We had Fozy running live visuals with a bunch of other uh, BJs, and then everybody 
doing live sets for like 12 hours that day. And that was really fun. We ran into a few problems, but I feel like we could probably do that again. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that last one, I actually, I didn't get to, uh, I didn't get to check out because I went on like a social media cleanse because I played the second, I played the second show. Yeah, I played the second show and then I like disappeared off the face of the earth for a bit. (laughs) No, it's good that you guys got to do that. And then 2021, you say, you know, you want to try and get that going. And then what else? Yeah, so for the Wishy Washy project, like um, I have this collab EP coming out with ASAP. Nice. Uh, it's going to be like five tracks. Um, most of them are featured in this mix, actually. And uh, some of them were cut short, so that way you guys uh, you know, wait for the, the rest of the songs to be released. Um, and I have probably one track that I'm going to release before the end of 2020. Uh just like a self-release or a collab. Um, still trying to figure that out. And then hopefully as things come, uh, like die down with COVID, if they do, we don't know at this point, um, hopefully you folks can get some like outdoor events going on, like outdoor live events, maybe some indoor if we can permit it to have a few people in there. But yeah, as of right now, we're not trying to put too much and uh, too, too many plans uh, set in stone because, you know, nobody knows what's going on really with the crisis. Yeah, it's fucking weird right now. Definitely, I totally hear that. It's weird. We'll see where this, uh, I don't know, man. You gonna take the vaccine or what? It's like it's like the PS5. It's like the PS5. You gotta let the first round go out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Straight up. Um, I know you mentioned a couple of artists, uh, so I always ask this too when you were prepared for it. But um, if there were a couple of artists that you would have on the show, who would you have on the show that I could reach out to? Yeah, I'm gonna try not to say too many, but I got a lot of boys that you know. Definitely. <laughs> but. Uh, Obviously, the people that I mentioned from our first live shows is euphoric. Like, Mantra Sounds, uh, she's really dope. Such a nice person. Really good music. That's Mantra Sounds. Um, Metatron. Um, who else might have uh, exclusive stuff? Oh, ASAP, of course. He carried me through the EP, basically. Like, he took the song and just made it so like so much better for the collab full collabs like I would start a track and then he'd finish it that's basically been our process so if you could get ASAP on there and, uh, and then Yama Dubs gotta shout out Yama he actually did um, he hit me up after I dropped my first EP um, he was like yo I showed this to the Human Air crew and they loved it we'd like to have you drop like a track with us in the near future and so I was super lit for that I was like damn Human Air hit me up from Seattle that's crazy. I know I was like that's cool <laughs> badass <laughs> like, so and then yeah a few months later I dropped the track um, that was in the mix actually it was called This Is What It's Like that was my first release with them and Yama did the mixing and master on that so definitely Shout out, Yama, and, 
fresh baked, like I mentioned before. He has blown the fuck up. He's so good uh, at production, man. He, when I met him, he had less followers than I did. I'm not, I'm just going to say cloud is everything, but the man had like 30 less followers than I did. And that was when I only had like 160 followers or some shit. And then he skyrocketed to a thousand followers on SoundCloud. Nice. Like this month. I was like, damn, dude's been going in. So Fresh Shake, definitely look him up. Try to get him on if you can. Um, M Squared, they're part of Euphorics. I think they'd be down to throw a mix in and uh, Mind Switch. Mind Switch did the FOMH mixes that I mentioned earlier. Um, the like deep, uh, dark, down tempo wave mixes. That's what got me into wave actually. So okay. I have to shout that man out. Um, and he did the mixing and mastering for my first EP, A New Wave. Um, so definitely get Mind Switch on here too. Yeah, man, we're definitely going to reach out to all of these people and get all their contact info uh, once we get off this podcast. Uh, one thing, 2021 and just above, man, like where this this rabbit hole is getting deeper and deeper and we're asking people like, uh, yo, so who do you shout out? And we're reaching out and then we're reaching out and it's getting to the point where honestly, I need a fucking secretary just to reach out to all these people. It's getting fucking wild, but uh, no. Once we once we link off after this, I'll I'll get all that information. I'm excited for that. I love Third Coast oh, Space yeah. Radio simply because it's just a platform for artists to showcase their original work. And a lot of these artists I've haven't met in real life, um, and I just get to enjoy listening to their original art. It's a little piece of their soul, and I like to be able to give that to the world. You know what I'm saying? Like. That's that's the goal right there. That's the goal. Yes, man. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. So where can people find uh, the Wishy Washy Project on social media if they're looking you up? MySpace, Jenga. Is anyone doing that shit anymore? Like Vampire Freaks? You remember that shit? Like, <laughs> But yeah, where, where can people find you on social media, bro? Yeah, usually, I think... Yeah, I think all my... Um, Social media handles are um, whatever, uh, facebook.com slash wishywashy music, instagram.com slash wishywashy music, and same with the SoundCloud. I don't have Twitter or like Audius or anything like that just yet or Spotify, but I definitely want to get those in there. Bad, no. No, that's definitely. It's going to happen very soon. Uh, one thing I've realized, a lot of these, uh, a lot of things are becoming way more accessible than it used to be, especially with like distro, oh, yeah. distro kid and shit like that. So just keep, just keep yeah. focusing on the project, man. I definitely believe in you listening to that mix. I know you're going places and I can't wait to see where you go from the future. Um, and I want to thank you so much, Kenny, for being on the show. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, so now this is kind of where the moment where I just let you say your final words to, um, you know, up and coming producers or just fans of you or just anyone listening right now. Here's your final words. Yes. Thanks a lot for having me on, dude. Um, my music is for you guys. It's for my listeners. Like I'm not bumping my own music every day. So like I make it from the heart to share with people. And I, I think that's what it's really all about is sharing with each other. 
Fuck yeah, man. I, I, I like that a lot. Just, um, community since community we come back to that full circle <laughs> i yeah, like that yeah. a lot like that a lot yo thanks kenny i really appreciate you bro yeah
that motherfucking mix was super sex, artistic style, bliss. Completely loved it. Yo, we got Colin Rogers, a.k.a. Nyrus, on the line. Say what's up to the people, Nyrus. What's up, man? Thanks so much for those kind words, man. It's, you know, just um, trying to be expressive in all the ways we can. And, you know, I'm really happy to be here. So thanks so much for having me, man. Fuck yeah. Thank you, man. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Um, tell me about yeah. yourself. You know, who's Colin? Um, what's your background? Where are you from? So originally, uh, I'm from Washington, D.C., um, lived in Virginia most of my life. And, um, recently in the last few years, I've moved to California, kind of wanted to, uh, get a different vibe. It definitely feels more, um, like a good place for me culturally, um, <laughs> a little bit more free spirited out here. Uh, but I definitely feel like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty rooted in the, uh, the music of the East coast. I grew up with a lot of like hip hop and drum and bass and stuff like that, that, that feels a little bit more East coast, uh, oriented. So. Um, you know, it's kind of taking a little bit from, from both worlds has kind of influenced my music style a lot. Okay. Yeah. And, um, what, what previous, like, do you have any musical history background? Was it more so like, did you have classical training? Were you in band? What was your, what was your previous musical experience? Yeah. So, uh, when I was growing up, I was in the, uh, symphonic band in middle school and in high school. So I played the trombone. So, you know, it was pretty sweet. We got to stand at the front of the parade. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I kind of wish I had um, continued with that, you know, into the end of high school and college. I only did it for a little bit in high school um, just because I feel like that, especially with orchestral music like that, the kind of understanding of of theory and some of the more advanced stuff that comes with it can be really valuable. Um, But it did kind of teach me a lot, especially being in jazz band um, for a year. That was that's cool. That really kind of opened my eyes to just how wide the world of music really is. Um, You know, it's interesting. One thing I feel about like um, like musical instrumentation. So I kind of did the reverse. Um, I was in choir. I learned a shit ton of theory for the most part, but I never really I played trumpet for a little bit, but I never picked up. Uh, the musicality of instrumentation, but I did learn a lot of theory. And now I'm trying to go back and like learn instruments so I can like, I don't know, get a little bit yeah. more um, improvisational with it, if that makes sense. And you said that you were in yeah. jazz band and I'm pretty sure that helped you out um, like too much, right? <laughs> like just too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, it kind of, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, as electronic musicians, I think we have so many tools available to us. Um, that a lot of us kind of just do this stuff by ear, which I think is really cool and kind of gives it a very unique flavor, you know, yeah. in a way we're not, we're not as boxed in by kind of the traditional ideas that surround, you know, writing classical music or right. whatever, whatever have you, you know? So in one sense, I think that's kind of an advantage of being a little bit more creative, but it's definitely, it's hard sometimes to do it without having a really good grasp of music theory. And I feel like I'm still learning. I mean, I guess, so it's just like anything else. There's infinite possibility to keep learning about it, but man, it, it can get really complex. Yo, like actual nonsense. Sometimes you'd be sitting in a doll like this. Yeah. This is what? <laughs> but yeah. uh, let's go ahead and get into uh, your, like your moniker, Nyris. Where did that come yeah. from? Did you have monikers previous to that, or was that your first, uh, first and only? Yeah. So actually, I did have a new project that um, that I kind of worked on when I was on the East Coast. Um, 
I went by Musashi. I was super into uh, nice uh, kendo and like swordsmanship and stuff like that. So Musashi was this uh, this swordsman in like 17th century Japan, and yes, um, I was really kind of interested in um, you know infusing like a sense of I guess Zen or something like that into my beats. And uh, I, at that time, I was kind of just making like hip hop beats. I kind of really wanted to just have rappers on my tracks and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I moved to the West Coast, um, I got some inspiration to kind of have a different angle to the project. And, you know, most of the vocals or, uh, you know, kind of human sounds that you hear in my music, you know, don't, it's not really lyrical. It's kind of just, um, you're not sure what language it's in, really. Sometimes it's monk chants and things like that. So I wanted to give it this kind of dreamy quality. And that Nyrus comes from the word Oniric, which means related to dreams. Um, and also the, uh, Oneros is the, the Greek word for the personification of dreams in Greek mythology. Um, if, you know, Odysseus, I think sends an Oneros to somebody to, to get into their dreams and, um, you know, give them a message or something like that. So I kind of really wanted the idea of this, this line, like a liminal space between the dream world and the waking world that I kind of want my music to sit right in that little space. I love that. I love that. Man, and Odysseus from the Great Odyssey, right? The Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there's a few other examples, but um, yeah, it, it, a couple of times in Greek mythology, uh, you know, Oneros gets mentioned. So. That's really badass. And I mean, so what was what was the initial sparking for that moniker or, or even the, the break from Musashi into Nairis? Well, I think kind of being involved in, in West Coast culture um, in in general, but in a very specific way. I went to a festival that actually takes place here in Santa Barbara called Lucidity um, okay. that just was really special. Um, I had been to a lot of the bigger East Coast festivals and kind of seen EDM and stuff like that and, um, you know, do it somewhat, but um, the first time that I really saw, like, underground bass music, and the culture that surrounds that whole scene uh, was at Lucidity a couple of years ago. And yeah, it just, it kind of just occurred to me in a rush. I mean, I, I really had been kind of struggling with finding some meaning in making music. And I was like, God, I'm just making beats, but it just doesn't really feel powerful. It doesn't feel like I'm expressing what I want to express. And then just being able to see the way that music really brought a community together and the effect that it had on people and the effect that it had on me, I mean, it, you know, kind of transported me to this world of, of meaning and uh, expression and love and creativity in, in a way that I had never experienced before. And I thought, you know, I can do this. <laughs> this <could> be, <laughs> I, I want to be a part of this. And, um, and so that's kind of where Nyrus came from is, you know, my, my old bee making like Musashi, you know, the swordsman is kind of like about honor and rules and, uh, you know, righteousness and, and Nairus kind of is a little bit more, uh, of, of an ethereal, um, spirit like kind of presence. So, you know, the shift for me kind of made, made sense when I started thinking about dreams more. So, um, the, the kind of world that we were inhabiting at lucidity was this very dreamlike experience. And it felt like, you know, you're, you kind of get to enter this world that's parallel to your, 
real life for a weekend and then you come back and you want to tell everybody about your dreams, but they don't make sense to people who weren't there. And you right. know, the parallels seemed like they were pretty clear. So yeah, it just made sense. I totally understand that. Yeah. I think I, I finally understood like the real community. Um, when I went to Oregon Eclipse, that was, um, Oh yeah. Oh, like that was my first like West coast festival, but like not even that shit was just, that was nuts, man. I can't even describe that week. It was just completely. And then the eclipse happened, like on top of all that shit. We'll get into that later. But let me ask you: Have you ever yeah. seen the movie Waking Life? Uh yes, I have. It's probably my favorite movie. And when you talk about like dreams and shit like that, I immediately just go straight to that. You know, the the yeah. the very yes. the, that thin veil between waking and dream life. You know, um, I really exactly. like that. I I love that movie. Yeah. And any, any time where there's a movie or a book or any kind of media where you're not sure what's reality and you're not sure what's dreaming or fabricated, I just, I totally gravitate to it. I think it's really, <laughs> just, yeah, it's super fascinating. Definitely. So. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into your mix. Um, let's go ahead yeah. and uh, tell me about it. Uh, where did your track selection come from um, out of all your art? I'm sure you have a lot of, it took you a while to kind of compose all that music. So let's get into that. Yeah, definitely. Um, 30 minutes is a nice, nice amount of time. I, it was kind of, uh, it was nice to be selective and, and kind of pick out stuff that I really wanted to showcase. And, um, it's, it's kind of a blend of things. So I, I wanted to show where my style had come from and kind of where it's going. So this is a mix of, of older tracks. Um, some of the stuff, first stuff that I released as an iris, um, a couple years ago, and um, some of the stuff that is just unreleased um, that's going to be coming out um, in a few weeks. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of um, just a statement on, on how I've grown as an artist, but also the, the things that have stayed the same. Um, so a lot of what I like to do is kind of try to blend this idea of using ancient tones or instruments in conjunction with kind of these very modern electronic sounds. Um, so I like to use a lot of um, kind of native flutes and monk chants and kind of ethereal vocals and things like that. Things that you can imagine people, you know, in the Bronze Age or something playing and then kind of fusing it with, you know, bass sounds that were made with a digital synthesizer or something. Right. Um, yeah. So, no, you know, I was this, say. this idea of like reaching to the past and also kind of looking to the future and, and having those sounds kind of be intertwined to create music is really kind of what I'm going for. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so, dude, I was going to say it was a journey. On that. Yeah, different takes on that two years ago to now, um, but, you know, I think that's the common thread. Yeah, it was, um, I, I, it's hard to describe, just it, like you said, it was uh, past and future. I could, I could feel the journey. Um, but let me ask you, like, what, what has inspired your entire soundscape over the course of uh, Musashi and Nairis and Colin, like what, what has inspired all of that? If you could boil it down to a couple of artists or maybe, you know, maybe a thousand, I don't know, but one or two probably, what, what would you okay, boil yeah. it down to? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great question. And I feel like, um, I listen to so many different types of music that it's, it's hard to say. And I think, some of my biggest influences wouldn't even be in bass music necessarily. Right. Um, but if I were to pick a couple of artists, um, definitely one that I look up to a lot, 
um, a guy that passed away about a decade ago was uh, New Jobis. He was a Japanese hip hop producer. He's kind of people kind of call him the yeah. Japanese Jay Dilla. He's legend for um, sure. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of his work with kind of guitar and flute and and this ethereal sound is something that I really admire and have kind of tried to take into my own music. Um, and I listened to a lot of Emancipator when I was making uh, nice. beats on the East Coast. That was kind of that was my go-to for a lot of situations. I tried to think about people who make music that you could hear at a huge festival, that you could listen to while you were studying, that you could be in love with someone to, you know, that, you know, that fits all of these different situations. And um, a lot of what I hope comes across with my music is that it can, it can be kind of accessible based music. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that maybe is only really good if you want to be partying super hard or something like that. But um, I like to, imagine that it's being interpreted in, in a number of ways. And a lot of the artists that I've looked up to have been like that. So, um, I guess I would also say Closey is another good one. Um, who's definitely somebody that I I take after I look up to Ataya a lot. Um, you know, just these kind of, uh, I don't know, more spiritual, natural elements in the music. Yeah, Closey, she's super cool. I uh, got to open up for her, and she uh, she's just hella, oh, nice. hella humble. Um, hella yeah. humble. I, you know, it's, that's one thing that I've honestly noticed about a lot of the people that you've meet that are, like, kind of conceited and shit. They're just, uh, they get it, you know what I mean? There are there are a few assholes out there. I won't name names, but, you know, they're... <laughs> A lot of the people, like, once they get up there, they're like, you know, like, they understand it and they get it. Um, yeah. And it's it's cool that you kind of, like, have gone down that route. For me in particular, um, I don't know. EDM was just a long journey. <clears throat> yeah. I know when I saw Tiesto, I was like, okay, I got to be involved in this. <laughs> yeah. And I know that's, yeah. like, so cliche and I'm, like, make completely different music, but... I don't know, just right. hearing electronic music for the very first time just blew my mind. And, like, what did you listen to beforehand? Was it, like, um, me personally, I was, like, metalhead, emo. What were you? Oh, you, nice. said, you said you like hip-hop for the most part. Was there I anything did. else that you listened to? Like, who was your favorite rapper? Yeah, so, oh, who's my favorite rapper? <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a loaded question, you know? Uh, I know. <laughs> Ironically, I listened to a lot of uh, West Coast stuff, so I, I really liked uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien when okay. I was growing up, and, and um, like, Hieroglyphics Crew, all those guys. Um, <laughs> nice. So that was, that was probably, like, what I had on, like, the heaviest rotation. Okay. Um, and what was, and, like, um, what was, like, the breaking moment for you where you were, like, okay, like, electronic, this, this, fusion of that what what brought that into play what kind of like split you if that makes sense okay yeah yeah so it actually it came from another direction i kind of i was really into jam bands um, back <laughs> in the day so I mean, nice. this is like a totally yeah you know I, I definitely love like string cheese incident and fish STS and, nine. Um, <laughs> yeah oh yeah you all of it so I, w- I went to see, I saw that uh, the Disco Biscuits were going to be at this, like, daily festival. It was like a, it was like a one-day, like, you know, 10-hour kind of thing. Um, and Disco Biscuits were going to be there. And I went, and most of the other acts were electronic acts. And uh, I saw the Crystal Method live, believe it or not. This That's was probably badass. Like, nice. Uh, I don't know, two, yeah, 2012 or something. And... Uh, yeah, it was when I saw the Crystal Method, and, and I just was like, 
what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, this, this is crazy. <laughs> it's like the same question. What is this? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the guy came out and he had like a synth that he had strapped to a guitar or something and he was like playing the synth on his guitar neck and I was just like, this is nuts, man. But it was, it was really like, I don't know, the, the jam bands I was into because I it kind of soothed me or me, just made me feel kind of like warm and good, like, a, you know, it's like a cup of tea or something, but I felt like electronic music kind of just shook something in me in a way that no other music really did. I, I felt really moved and kind of stirred up by it, um, stimulated in a way that I didn't, I hadn't really experienced from music. Um, so yeah, that was definitely, I, I think like Cascade was headlining it or somebody like, yeah, um, nice. <laughs> pretty sure, pretty sure like Avicii was there, but he played at like 4 PM, you know, on a side stage. I was just, yeah. Uh, Totally, totally different. I think like Buka Shade, like some of these old. It's like golden you know, era heads. times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, you know, the, the U.S. was like just getting introduced to house music, kind of in like a major way. Obviously, there's you know been a scene in D- Detroit and stuff like that yeah. from way back in the day, but in, in kind of a really mainstream way. So, yeah, that was the first time I experienced it like that, and I was kind of like, all right, you know, this is kind of this is kind of crazy. And I think I started listening to some dub stuff and stuff after that. And yeah, that, the rest is history. That was it, right? <laughs> so on this journey, on this journey, like, do you feel that, you know, being a musical artist, like, is there something that this journey has taught you that you probably wouldn't have learned otherwise? Do you think that, you know, maybe this is this is the life, this is really, this is life make you so happy? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, I, the main takeaway that I have gotten from just being in in the scene for a couple of years is the value of authenticity. Um, I think it's, it's Mm -hmm. not something that we really get to practice too much. I mean, you know, with your, in your romantic relationships and your, your friendships and things like that, obviously it's something that we strive for, but um, when it comes to creating something that feels authentic, that's not really a muscle that we get to flex very often, or we're not encouraged to, at least in, in modern society. So really pouring all of yourself into something and then saying, okay, everyone, here's this thing that I cherish and, you know, kind of cast a mold of my soul into through music. I hope you like it. You know, that's, that's a really powerful and, and uh, vulnerable experience to have. And, um, the, just the, the kind of depth of feeling that comes with doing something that feels that authentic and, you know, you're kind of really exposing yourself, you know, mm-hmm. in, in this very, in, in this very intimate way to say, this is, this is something that I really care about. I really feel like it's meaningful to me. Uh, this is what moves me, what drives me, what suits my soul. And, you know, yeah, and you're you're kind of imploring people to listen to it and to be, you know to join you in this really intimate space. And I think if I hadn't gotten into making music, I I wouldn't really have experienced something like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's been really kind of uh, it, it just as much of an, an emotionally opening journey as anything else. I feel like I'm very comfortable being vulnerable with my emotions in a way that I probably wasn't before because, you know, sharing your music with people is this incredibly intense experience. And so, you know, telling them how you feel after that doesn't seem so daunting. Right. Yeah, no, um, being authentic. Yeah, that's, and it's funny too, because it's a, it's kind of a split in the electronic community too, because there's uh, you know, being authentic and being 100% yourself. And there's also kind of like 
falling into those trends too. So you see um, artists that are, you know, a dime a dozen and um, they're, you know, we, I have, I've had this conversation with a couple of different artists too. You know, there's, there's a time and a place, I guess, when you're at the festival and you just want to hear a fucking banger, maybe that artist is good for that. You know what I'm saying? But yep. it's a trend at the same time. And where's that replay value? So the authentic, right. the, like the authenticity isn't necessarily there because like the trend has already been exposed. It's like when Skrillex came out versus when Borgor was making his music and like the shit was popping. But then we have all these copycats. Does that make sense? So now it's kind of a trend and I totally understand what you mean when it becomes like, okay, I want to make some shit that's completely authentic to me. It's kind of like what happened to Gitter, you know, he was like, okay, I'm, I'm making bangers. I'm making bangers. Okay. Let me make some, some shit that really, and then everyone was like, what the fuck is this? But it's just, it's, it's interesting getting called into that. And I, uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know, Gitter, Gitter was, uh, I felt so sad for him, man. Fucked up, right? That was was a really rough, you know, I think all, you know, all of us who do produce music kind of saw that happen and were just collectively like, oh, man. Yeah, that shit I mean, sucked. <laughs> to see, you know, and he was like, hey, this is the music I really want to make. I hope you like it. And then people coming to social media and being like, what the hell is this? Like, you suck, you know. <laughs> God, that's, that's like your worst nightmare, right? You know? Seriously. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, I think, but people, uh, people do resonate with authenticity in, in a way that, you know, maybe isn't even something that they're consciously aware of a lot of the time. I think a lot of the artists that do find success, you know, I, you mentioned about Closey being this very humble and authentic person, and I, I've never met her personally, but I that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I, I feel like <laughs> the, the music that she puts out and the way she kind of interacts with it gives me the sense that she really is. And, you know, I the way that you are reflects in your music, and people pick yep. up on that. That's part of the whole appeal of being 100%. a fan of an artist. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so I always ask this to our producers, um, just just kind of um, inspire people or maybe even someone that's listening to this that just wants to get back in the game. But like if you could offer yeah. yourself some advice, how long have you been in the I am a musical artist realm? How long have you been doing this? Um, almost. Three years now. Three years? Um, it's something that I did as a hobby for a while, but yeah, I've been taking it pretty seriously for about three years. Cool, cool. And um, how old are you? Uh, I am 33. 33. So if yeah, you could give yourself... <laughs> no, I'm I'm almost thirty myself. We're uh we're the old heads in the industry at this point, shit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could go back and give yourself some advice ten years ago, yeah. um, or to some advice to an up and coming producer that's listening to this podcast right now, what's some advice you'd give yeah. yourself or them? Yeah, it would actually be the same piece of advice. Um, so I'm glad you said that thing about past self too. Um, it would be to just keep at it. Um there's going to be a lot of ups and downs always. Um, I was, uh, I was taking lessons from a great Dane at one point. He's a LA beat maker out here. Yeah. He's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Dane. He's like, yeah, super OG, like just really cool guy. And obviously has made a lot of really anthemic, you know, for the LA beat scene, he was like one of the guys that kind of put it on the map. Um, so I was taking lessons from him. He's a great teacher. And one of the things that he told me, I was kind of like, dude, I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm making beats that just suck right now. Like, I feel like I'm not going to make anything good again. Like I, I can't figure out 
what to do. Like, I know I've made good music in the past. I don't know what's happening. And he was like, dude, that's always going to happen. Like, it's always going to be ups and downs. The only way you can get worse is by not making music. So if you feel like it's sucking, just let it suck, but don't stop doing it. And then before you know it, next week, you're just going to be making your most fire shit ever. And I was like, <laughs> all right, okay, that's kind of, you know, that makes sense. And then, like, you know, I went home, and for a couple of days, it still sucked. And then, you know, uh, maybe the third day after he said that or something, sure enough, I opened Ableton, and it was like, I, I was untouchable, you know, like I made the, the best track I've ever made kind of thing. And I was like, damn, that really was true. And I, I wish I had, I wish I had understood that when I was younger. Cause I think I so often I got discouraged and I just I was like, Oh, this sucks. This isn't any good at all. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then, you know, if I had just kind of pushed through that, I'm sure something really great would have been right around the corner, but it, it kind of took the form of me not coming back to it for a couple of months at a time or just, you know, getting discouraged. And I think especially with um, learning to work in a DAW is just incredibly difficult. Uh, Ableton, Logic, you know, FL Studio, all of these programs have really steep learning curves. And it's easy to get discouraged when you start out because your threshold for the music that you listen to, which is really good, versus what you're producing, which is really bad, <laughs> yeah. is just so different that it's really hard to keep going. But if you do keep going, it pays off immensely and I, I just want to really impress on people that no matter what stage of your artistic journey you're at you're always going to have days where it feels like nothing's working but the days where you feel like you're just on fire and you're making the best stuff you've ever made are just always right around the corner when that happens yeah no dude honestly like just persevering keep going keep pushing keep pushing man I <laughs> wish Cause I was a, uh, I was in choir and band and all this shit, and then there was just a lull. I don't know. I was college partying, getting high and drunk and shit like that. Yep. And then I was yep. like, man, I actually want to get back into it. But then like those those years that I wasn't doing shit, you lose so much. You lose so much, yes. and then you're like, whoa, hold on. Now I got to learn everything again. It's a it's a daunting experience. So yeah, definitely persevere. Keep going. Don't give up yep. and don't take a fucking break. <laughs> Just keep going. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> every day. Even if, you, even if you only get in the dog for 15 minutes, you can try to do it just every day. Yep. Repetition, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. I, was, uh, I was fucking Joe Rogan podcast. He was talking to... Um, a rapper and a very famous rapper. I forget the name. I'm fucking stoned right now, but he was just like, yo, this is how I did it. Literally. I would dedicate five minutes of my day, every single day to my craft. It didn't matter what kind of mood I was in, what anything seven days a week, at least five minutes a day, at least. Yeah. So I, I believe yeah. in that a hundred percent. And if you, in, in the, when I, I kind of had to trick myself too. like, I read this, this hack somewhere. It's like a brain hack kind of thing where you just tell yourself that you're only going to do it for five minutes. Even if you don't feel like it, you're like, all right, I'm just going to get in for five minutes. And then if the five minutes are up and you still don't want to be in it, that's fine. You can head out. But I've found that, you know, 90% of the time what happens is that five minutes turns into an hour or two Yep. and you kind of, you get into it, you know, even though you didn't think you were going to be into it. So just, you know, doing something, just doing a little something every day is just so important. Seriously. Just, carving out it's 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 alchemy it's straight up alchemy <laughs> you gotta you gotta come with it um yeah exactly so I always pander to the producers here uh, this portion of the episode um 
Yeah. What, what's your favorite DAW? What what's your what's your uh, what's your go to? Ableton, hands down. Ableton, yeah, I love Ableton. It's so surgical. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, it just it takes on a life of its own. Do you have any experience with any other dolls? Is that your first doll? Uh, actually, my first one was uh, FL Studio back when it was called Fruity Loops. Fruity Loops, um, yes. Yeah, I tried it um, when I was, I think, it, probably in high school or something, um, and uh, yeah, it just. It didn't really stick. I don't think I knew what I was doing. Um, when I was making beats out of Musashi, I was using Reason, which uh, kind of made even less sense, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it worked. I made it work. And um, then I, I got a demo version of Ableton, and I was just like, well, this actually, this feels right. You know, it made a lot of sense to me at the time, and um, then really kind of threw myself into it three years ago. And, yeah, it's just... It's the best, man. I mean, I you know, I'm sure that you can get any utility out of any any doll that you choose. This is, I mean, you're on the internet. Like we have these debates on Twitter all the time about which is the best, and you know, yeah. there's a there's no right or wrong answer necessarily. But just for me, the workflow just feels the smoothest, and uh, all the keyboard shortcuts I feel like are extensions of my hand now, which are just you know improving the speed of, of your workflow is so essential. And I feel like I'm just like fast and able to use nice yeah I, I, my go-to is ableton too for reason reason is literally the only one i literally just like i'm i'm fucking lost sometimes i'm like what the fuck am i supposed to be doing like, i got a i got a degree in audio engineering but when i um, when someone puts reason in front of me i'm like okay hold on give me a second I'm, <laughs> yeah. the fuck is this <laughs> yeah, yeah no i, I think you're all of a sudden you're looking at the back of the, the rack <laughs> like having to move plugs you're like wait what my, I think I think session view honestly changed the game. I'm not gonna lie. Like I a lot of and, and a lot of Ableton producers don't even fuck with session view, but I'm like, I love it personally. Let me let me plot some shit out and then let me arrange it. Like I that is a game changer. And now they added comping with Ableton eleven and all that shit. Like it's it's just gonna be too much at some point. Like yeah. Ableton twelve, you're just gonna be able to make music with your fucking head. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Session View because I, like, people, I, I always get a lot of flack for this. I literally never use it. And, um, <laughs> and most you know, Ableton and people, people, like, people, people love like, linear. They love linear arrangement. I understand it, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's the first time that anyone's given me that much slack. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you gotta use Session View, man. What are you doing? But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my brother has a, uh, a VR headset and I'm like, kind of already imagining what it would be like to, you know, make music in VR. Like, this stuff is not far off. I mean, it's, it's a couple of years yeah. before, you know, you're standing in front of, you know, a, a DAW in 3D and you're making music with your hands, sculpting it, you know? Shit's going to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, so do you have, like, a go-to VST in Ableton? What's your... What's your um, go-to sound-designed arsenal? Do you have hardware... Yeah, so I I have a little bit of hardware. I, I kind of want to get into more uh, analog synthesis, but that is kind of a, a whole thing, as you know. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of contenting myself with, with digital synthesis for now. So Serum is definitely a go-to yeah. uh, for when it, come, when it comes to making bass sounds and leads and stuff like that. Um, you can make some really good plucks. Um, Ableton's uh, default effects are pretty good, too. 
Um, I definitely like operator you know, goes think, hard. <laughs> yeah, operator. Yeah, operator is crazy. I mean, just just for making like you know, I I heard. I don't know if this is true. I've never seen it in an interview, but I heard that G Jones only uses operator. Doesn't use any third party VST, which is just crazy to me. Um, I mean, you know, I believe it, just, it. I would hope that he has yeah. at least one hardware synth, though. Just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, that's. I, I've heard that he doesn't even own any third-party BSTs. He just uses operator. And then Wavetable, I mean, with the new Ableton 10, it's like, now we have Wavetable 2, and it's just, yeah. um, you know, the sky's the limit, man. I feel like I'm, I'm still, the more I've learned about these uh, plugins, the more I realize how little I know about them. It's crazy. It's fucking, it's, yeah, and that's what I keep talking to people about. I'm like, yo, like, you don't understand. If you just purchase Ableton alone, like, boom, that's a multi-million dollar, you got a multi-million dollar studio right there on your fucking laptop, bro. Like, yeah, exactly. Shit. I mean, it's crazy. I was was talking to my dad about um, some of the music that he listened to. He's been sending me some vinyl recently and, you know, reading about how the Beatles had to do crazy sound effects on, uh, you know, like the white album and revolver and stuff like that. They're, they're like cutting tape with scissors and then yeah. running through a machine backwards and stuff. It's like, you know, marking, they have to mark it with a pen to line it up so they can overdub track. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> dude, like, now like, you know, a teenager with a laptop can just like do all this. With just click a button. Click of a button. Just click like, a fucking button. Yeah. And, and, you know, and stack 50 effects on top of each other. Like, I mean, it's really a great time to be making music. So yeah, this yeah, is this is the best time <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about like the um, it's an age old battle as well, like a, a DJ that doesn't have any original yeah. tracks or a producer that can't DJ. Should you be perfectly skilled at both or like how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely land more on the producer side. Um, I think DJing for me is kind of it's becoming a way that I just perform my tracks as opposed to uh, something that is like this very skilled performance kind of thing. I really like um, the drum and bass lexicon. I kind of, the first EDM that I, I should say that I listen to is, uh, is drum and bass. There's a pretty good, or at least there was, you know, eight years ago or something. Um, yeah. There's a scene in DC, in Washington, DC, of, of like some good drum and bass shows. And uh, they always said selector instead of DJ, you know? Selecta, and I kind of yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, everybody goes, Selecta, Selecta, you know? And I really, I like that a lot because it kind of makes more sense because that's what, you know, you're selecting the tracks, you're selecting the vibe. Yeah. And um, that that really appeals to me more than like the idea of DJing because everybody thinks like, you know, scratching and stuff. You, you have these guys that are really good at that, um, if you watch like a track or, you know, some of these guys that are like beat juggling and stuff, like it's amazing. and I yeah. love it, but it's not really something that I'm going to focus on doing. I think there's in the bass music scene too, there's guys who will throw acapellas over stuff. And uh, I mean, that was kind of like bass nectar's formula for a long time, right? Like yeah. you take a tune and then you throw like crazy acapellas over it and it's super awesome. Everybody loves it, but um, that's kind of less what I'm interested in than uh, really just showcasing the original productions that I've made and kind of letting them stand on their own merit. Obviously, beat matching and, you know, smooth transitions and, and technique. you know, cool effects and stuff like that. Yeah, technique is important for sure. But I think from a, like, performative standpoint, 
the real performance that that I'm doing kind of happens in the studio. And you know, when I'm actually DJing, it's not going to be so much like what's happening with my hands on the decks in real time as it is kind right. of selecting the appropriate tracks for the vibe. Totally. I, I think I kind of agree with that, like, 100%, because, um, I mean, I can fucking play some really good tracks and, like, get the crowd going, but, like, it's those moments when I play my own music and I can see people literally just fucking staring at me, like, what is this? This is... And then, yeah. and then like, the moment afterwards when people are like, yo... I mean, you may not have known it, but that fucking track right there saved my fucking life. And like those yeah. moments right there, I've only had that happen like three times. But those three times I was like, oh, my God, like I thank you. Like there yeah. there isn't a moment like that. You know what I mean? Where it's, you, you break like someone's it. you break through someone's entire soul through their whatever they thought, like just through yeah. your own artistic expression. And um yeah. Again, replay value, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that replay yeah, value. You know, the whole point of music is to, you know, kind of oscillate yourself at a certain frequency and, you know, see it reflected in someone else and be like, whoa, you're connecting with this too. It's kind of, we try so hard to categorize all of these really meaningful human experiences and moments with words, but they fall short. I mean, as rich yeah. as language is to describe these experiences, Sometimes just sharing a moment with somebody and looking into their eyes while you're listening to music together is just extremely powerful. <laughs> and thousand you know, percent. when it's something that, yeah, when you've created uh, music for that express purpose, like, hey, this is me performing this and reaching out to try and connect with you and stir something deep inside you. I mean, that's just, uh, there's literally nothing like it. Like you said, yeah, when somebody comes and tells you like that, you know, that changed my life, that saved my life, something like that. I mean, that will just literally take your breath away. Yeah, it's nothing like it. Uh, it's beautiful stuff. Let me uh, let me get my handkerchief right quick. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no. Um, so what does, what does Nairus got going? What, what do you got going on in the future? What projects you got going on? You got some, I know 2020 and shit, I'm pretty sure Q1 and Q2 of 2021 is not, it's just not going to be yeah. what is, what, what it should be for people in our industry. But like, what do you got right. going project wise? You got some music or maybe some, uh, some streams going on or something like that. Yeah. So right now it's, it's definitely been studio time in a big way. So, um, I have a track that's being released on conscious electronics record label, uh, on new year's day, nice. uh, that you heard in the mix. Um, that one's called Boreal, and that's coming out on New Year's Day. So um, definitely make sure to check that one out. Um, I'm working on an EP currently that I'm, I'm hoping to release in the spring of 2021 sometime. Uh, I'm still figuring out exactly how many tracks it's going to be and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, I have uh, some collabs that I'm pretty excited about as well. There's, there's definitely some producers that uh, I've met over the past year or so. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to collabing with and, and, you know, you know how collabs work. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, sometimes it's really slow and, you know, some, you know, somebody's turned to work on it and a month goes by and they don't. And, you know, I mean, all of us do that one time or another. So yeah. just trying to make those things line up. Um, but yeah, it's mostly, it mostly has to do with, uh, with studio time and, and releasing original music, um, I'm hoping that lucidity will happen. They, you know, it got postponed, I think, until April. 
Um, so I'm scheduled to play that. I think that's kind of like the only potential uh, live set on the horizon. But I think at this point, April feels um, a little bit too optimistic. Too. Yeah, so April. I think uh... we might be content. Yeah, we might be contented with streams for a while. I just played a stream uh, a few weeks ago called uh, "We Like It Deeper." Um, these guys that are based out of Ojai, California. Okay. And uh, it was super fun, man. They they do a stream every Tuesday, and um, usually it's a uh, house and techno, but they kind of switched it up and and brought me and um, my a longtime collaborator Saki Bomb on there, and uh, we just played a bunch of bass music and threw down, and it was super fun. And so I, I hope we get to go back sometime because those guys are awesome and they have a really cool production setup, and uh, we had a blast. So. I don't know. Maybe that'll become like a month or every other month kind of thing. Right. Yeah. No. One thing that it's it's funny how the uh, how we're trying to evolve in this industry right now. I've seen a lot of live streams where you pay like you know five dollars, ten dollars to get in, yeah. things of that nature, and it's just interesting because. We got to fucking make our art and we're going to keep showing our art. Like what, what Super Task is doing and it's, they're just yeah. throwing shit out there. Like it's just a, uh, you, uh, one thing I, I believe is happening too, like this digital age, man, it's, uh, it's getting a lot larger than a lot of us think, you know? Yeah. And I think we need to fucking, yeah. we need to hurry up and get on this wave before we all drown. Honestly, exactly. shit's, shit's getting crazy. Um, but yeah, um, now I guess I would ask you, now's your, this is, I think the most pivotal moment on this, uh, interview this year, this year, this year moment to shout out your friends. If you could, uh, if you could have a couple of artists on third coast based radio, who would you have? I know, you know, tons of artists. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Um, there's actually, man, there's almost too many. So if I leave anybody (laughs) off, you know. Don't take it personally, but um, just off the top of my head, um, I know this guy goes by Uga, O-O-G-A. Um, he has some really, he, he has a quality of an artist that I really like, which is that he makes like just total face scrunching bangers, but then he sent me this really cool, like beautiful melodic track that he was playing guitar over, and it was just, it was really moving. Um, so he's a super creative guy, really cool vision. I would, I would love to see a full mix from him on here. Um, let's see. Uh, also, my guy Bastion, I've uh, kind of connected only online. We have a mutual friend, also Saki Mom. And um, <laughs> yeah, we started to, we started talking like on Twitter, on Instagram, that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, he helped me out and recommended some plugins to me and stuff like that. And he makes super cool music too. Um, and definitely would love to see something from him. Um, another guy, uh, Telos, I met him in Costa Rica, uh, I guess earlier this year. Um, he has really awesome style, just like a super activated dude, just total shamanic energy. Um, he does really awesome visuals too. So he, he creates his own visuals and then he's been working on a lot of original music and, um, yeah, just doing like a, a whole AV thing, I think is kind of the way that I see him going. I'm not, uh, I guess you'd have to ask him more about that, but he definitely does a lot of cool, like light code transmissions that he puts with his music. That's uh, super rad. Nice. Um, and, uh, and yeah, definitely Saki bomb, man. Her, her and I have been kind of, uh, in each other's orbit for a few years now. She was there kind of at the beginning of the Naira's project has put me onto a lot of opportunities and gigs. 
um, showed me a lot of what the West Coast space scene is about. Um, and she just is a super awesome performer. I mean, she just crushes it every time. So, you know, any mix from her is just like instant fire. Like I'm just always ready to put it on. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see her on here too. So Def, yeah, no, we'll definitely reach out to all these people after this. I'll get with you after this and write all their social medias down. Um, that's the one thing about this, uh, this podcast is that the, uh, the musical realm is infinite and there are multiple, multiple bards out there ready to show, um, their artistic expression. And I just love diving deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole. It's, uh, it's like SoundCloud surfing back in the day. You remember that shit? Like yeah. <laughs> just diving Dude, deep. Yeah. At some point you're just it's listening amazing, to someone yeah. breathe on a microphone. You're like, shit, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> This is lit. Okay. Um, so where, where can everyone find you on social media, uh, MySpace, Jenga, shit like that? Where, uh, (laughs) where can we find you? Um, you know, SoundCloud is, is a good one for sure. Um, just type in Nyrus N Y R U S and you should find me. Um, and Instagram it's Nyrus underscore music. And then also Spotify. I have uh, most of my music up there too. So, yeah, Instagram is usually the one that uh, I am uh, kind of checking most often. I don't really have Facebook uh, on my phone or anything like that. Uh, Twitter's good too. I mean, I I kind of am just on some nonsense there sometimes. Um, you know, that's that's like part music production, part just like musings about the world, whatever. So if yeah, if you want to check that out, it's also Nyrus Music on Twitter. Nice, badass. Yo, Colin, well, I really want to thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much. So um, here's your chance right now to say your final words to the uh, U.S. citizens or maybe if fucking someone's listening to this in Mars or something 200 yeah. years from now, here's your chance. Citizens of Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks so much for having me, man. I mean, it's, it's always good to connect energetically like this. I mean, I knew that you were onto something good when we played that stream in April and, and I heard your music and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked to kind of keep this energy going, man. So, um, one thing that I will mention, uh, that it didn't come up is that I'm, I'm expanding my music production teaching business. Um, I'm, I'm offering lessons right now. So I do have some slots in my calendar. If, if anybody that's listening is interested in learning music production, um, I'm available for that service as well. And, um, yeah, I just, I really appreciate you and everything you do for the culture. And I'm just looking forward to, to growing it together, man. Yo, so, man. Thank you. I thank you. This is definitely not the uh, the last. We'll be talking a lot more after this. And I'm going to try and get you some yeah. business, too, for your production classes. Everyone needs to learn how to make music, damn it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yo, thanks, thank Colin. You. I really appreciate it, bro. Yeah, thank you so much, man. We'll talk soon. Yo, so there you have it. Third Coast Space Radio, Season 2, Episode 19. Be sure to like us and the respective artists that just played their music. Yo, 2020, we out this bitch. Thank you guys so much for a fucking great year. See you guys next month, yeah? Rat-ta-ta-pow-pow-plow-clow. Schmow.